0: This morning, I don't know, I feel like I may get to do this as a week-by-week series through Judgment Journey as we look at prayer. I can't think of a better time to look at the power of prayer, the necessity of prayer, the purpose of prayer, everything about prayer. I can't think of a better time than through Judgment Journey because of all the battles that you face and all the demons of hell that will come against everything that's going on here. But the power of God is working in this place. But the more we pray, the more powerful God will be. The more we seek Him, the more we walk into the throne room, the more we ask Him to save others, the more we pray for lost souls that we're inviting to come, the more the Holy Spirit can reach out and draw them here. So it's all about prayer. So I'm I'm not going to say, y'all know me, I'm not one of those going to tell you what I'm going to do for the next five, six, or seven week in the series because next Sunday is God's Sunday just like this one is, and I'll preach what I believe God wants me to preach next Sunday. So I'm not one of those that tells you I'm about to do a series. I don't think I have the right to do that. I'm telling you what God's given me this morning. Even the series that we just kind of finished up, we've looked at somewhat of a series. And we did the Savior is greater than the situation. And we looked at the seven I am's of Jesus in the book of John. But I think it took us about four months to do those seven because we do things in the way that God tells us to do them. Amen. But I I do believe, Lord willing, I will continue along this track, maybe in week by week. But nonetheless, um, you be praying for me. I'll be praying for you that we be in the center of God's will and that we be exactly where we're supposed to be. This morning, we're going to start out looking at something everybody knows. It's commonly yet incorrectly known as the Lord's Prayer. A lot of people have it in your house, and it says, The Lord's Prayer, that really wouldn't be the correct name for this prayer. But that's what we're going to at least start out with here this morning. In the book of Luke, it's also recorded. I'll read it before we start. Matthew, but Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Well, here in the book of Matthew, we are dead in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. All three chapters is Jesus Christ teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And dead in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, here in chapter 6, he says, beginning in verse number 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, They have their reward. When thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, when thou hast shut thy door, pray unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they Disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And Thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also Father God I thank you for your word I thank you for the preciousness of it for the blessedness of it I thank you for the holiness of it God Lord I pray Father you take it this morning will you pierce it into the hearts of your children God it's our prayer that there be any here this morning that do not know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior that one closest to hell today God I pray that you'd take this message and you'd speak to them, God, that today would be the day of salvation for us, your children, God. I pray you do what only you can do. May the Holy Spirit speak to each person in this place, God. Take one message and multiply it a few hundred times into what you'd have it to be, God, that each one of us would be moved and taught by you on this day. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. According to the book of Luke, these instructions came as an answer of a request from one of the disciples. But the thing that we see here is quite a bit on instructions on how not to pray. Jesus spends more time there on how not to pray than he does on how to pray. So as I began this study, a few weeks ago, Brother Peter gave me a couple of cassette tapes. And I listened to those tapes here at the office and I carried them home and listen to them again. I'm very thankful for the tapes. The, the tapes are on this particular prayer and, and a breakdown. So anytime you listen to another man's work, another godly man's work, I'm pretty selective about who I'll listen to um, in terms of other preachers, but this is a very godly man. Um, not only do you learn things from their perspective, but they're just like myself. They'll tell you that they heard somebody say that they heard somebody say that they heard somebody say. So you take the gathering of the wisdom of everybody that they've heard, and you put it together and you take the things they said, but it creates a study. It creates a mind of study, and you begin to break down and look into those things, and God begins to show you things that you've never seen before. And one of the things that I noticed right off about this prayer is that they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he spent more time telling them how not to pray than he did on how to pray. So this morning, before we get to the how-to pray in the weeks to come, however the Lord lays this out, we're going to start out this morning with a message entitled, How Not to Pray. I want to look at this model prayer so that we might learn how to pray more effectively. Any time is a good time to learn how to pray more effectively. Any time is a good time to become a better prayer warrior. Any time is a good time to up your level of prayer, to up your level of surrender, to up your level of dedication, and we do that through something called prayer. So any time is a good time to look at prayer, but I would think especially here in this judgment journey season, knowing the battles that we could face, knowing the things that are before us, knowing the power of God that we need, the protective hedge that we need about this place, and all that we need for God to do, I would think now would be a great time for us to look at, the subject of how to pray, or in this case, how not to pray. I said a minute ago, it's commonly yet improperly known as the Lord's Prayer. The reason I say that's improper is for, if no other reason, it says forgive us our debts. That word debt comes from a Greek word that means something that is owed to another. It means to be under obligation to someone for a moral fault or sin against that person. Now, because I know Jesus Christ has no debt, he has no moral obligations to anyone. He's not let anybody in here down. He's not deceived or misled anyone. He's never been a stumbling block for anyone. He's never had a debt in all of eternity, nor will he ever have one. Then, for that very reason alone, this can't be the Lord's prayer. That means it's my prayer. It's the disciples' prayer of which you and I are. The prayer here that we're to pray, this isn't the prayer. This is the guidelines on how to pray. The disciples didn't say, Lord, teach us what to pray. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. If they had said, teach us what to pray, and he said this, then all we would do is come together, we'd repeat this prayer, and we'd go home, and that would be the extent of it because that would be what to pray. But this isn't a what to pray. This is the guideline on how you and I ought to be praying. If you've studied the life of Jesus Christ at all, if you just read through the four Gospels one time, one of the things that you know for all certainty is that the only thing that surrounds the Lord Jesus Christ daily is prayer. He is always in communion with the Father. He prays at every event we find Him at in the Word of God. You see Him in His baptism and you see him praying. You see him when he was tempted in the wilderness, praying. You see him when the multitudes are present, praying. You see him when he's in an alone place, praying. Even in the garden just prior to the cross, he's there praying. On the cross, what's he doing? Praying. Jesus is always in communication with the Father. One of the things that I love about the cross is Jesus was on the cross praying to the father. The Bible says there was two malefactors, one on the left and one on the right. While Jesus was praying to the father, the two malefactors were talking. The one on the left says, "If you be the son of God." One of the things you'll notice is you won't find Jesus talking to this man. Cuz he has no access to Jesus cuz he don't know who he is. If you be the Son of God, Jesus continues talking to the Father. If you be the Son of God, come down off that cross. Save yourself and save us also. He wasn't worried about Jesus. He was only worried about self. But the whole time he's talking and the whole time they're talking, Jesus isn't worried about them. Even when he talks to Jesus, Jesus pays him no attention because he says, if you be the Son of God. This one over here says... Leave this man alone. We receive justly the deeds, the rewards of our deeds. We receive what we ought to be getting, but but he's done nothing. But then he included Jesus in the conversation, and that's what prayer is. Jesus is on the cross praying when, when the conversation, all of a sudden, this man turns to Jesus, and he begins talking to Jesus. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. See, there wasn't no if you be. It was Lord. Lord, remember me. And, and at that time, Jesus interrupted death for both of them. At the moment he began talking to Jesus, Jesus stopped praying for a moment and began talking to the one that was praying to him. Jesus put death on hold just long enough to hear and answer his prayer. and said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Jesus has the ability to put death on hold to stop the universe, everything that's going on. I'm here to accomplish the Father's will. Father, my my work is finished. I'm done. I'm at the cross. This is the end. I'm about to die. I'm about to commend my spirit. Father, hold on one second. I got one praying. And he puts death on hold long enough. He put everything on hold for you. He put everything on hold. I was talking, actually, it was Raquel and I talked earlier this week and some things, but we were talking about even your children and even in our life. God put death on hold for me a lot of times. I should have done been in hell. I should have went to hell a lot of times a long time ago. If God sent me to hell today, he'd be just and right for doing so. But God kept me alive. He put death on hold long enough for one day that I might look up and say, Lord thank you God for loving us the way you do the thing that we'll always find when you look in the scriptures that Jesus is always praying he's always in communication with the father and one of the most Noted prayers, there's, there's more than 20 prayers of Jesus recorded in the Bible, but one of the most noted subjects of prayer is this one that we're looking at here this morning, this, this disciples' prayer. See, when I was growing up in school, I've told you several times, it was very, very, very different than it is today. Hard to believe it's still in the same planet. In the public schools, at Fayette County Schools, we said this prayer before school. In the public schools. We took time before classes every day to pray. And most of the time, we just said this prayer together. Growing up, played football and baseball my whole life. Absolutely loved it all up through rec ball and into high school and even things I did in sports up in in the college and things we did there in extracurriculars. We never did anything without coming together as a team and saying this prayer together before we started any type of ball game. Amen? Amen. Uh, I recently heard, very popular, so I'll leave that alone, a very liberal preacher made the statement, if this prayer was all we had, that's all we would need. We wouldn't need the rest of the Bible If I have just this prayer, that's all I would ever need. I'll tell you this morning, I don't agree with that for a second. I do believe we need the prayer. I believe we need the power of the prayer. We need the instruction of the prayer. But for one second, I don't agree with this liberal preacher in more ways than one, but especially in this one, because the reason a liberal preacher would love that is the same reason if you listen to his messages, I don't listen to much he has to say. He don't say nothing about the blood. He don't say nothing about the cross. And in a liberal world that we're in today, they call Christianity a bloody religion. Well, I thank God that there's blood. I thank God for the cross. Because where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Where there is no cross, there is no salvation available to you and I. And if there is no blood and there is no cross, then you and I are still on our way to hell and nothing has changed. So, although I love the prayer, this ain't all you need. You need the blood first. You need the cross. You need to be past the death, burial, and resurrection and the salvation. But as children of God, he says, here's some advice on how we can pray. So, back to how not to pray. Verse number one: take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise, you have no reward of your father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. The Greek word there for alms, I'm not even going to make that mockery out of myself and attempt to pronounce a word about three lines long. But the word means benevolence, or it means compassion. It is deeds done to help others. Jesus says when you do something to help others, make it about them and not about you. When you do something to help somebody else, just go help them. Just go be a blessing to them. Don't make this about you. Don't make this about the pat of the back. Just go help somebody. And if it's not of somebody, he says the same thing on the giving to the church, on the giving of alms, or on the giving of tithes and offerings. He says, man, you ain't got to sound a trumpet. I don't do a lot of things. You just, you just put it in the plate. You just do things behind the scenes. You just do things for the glory of God. Yes, One of the reasons Jesus is making this illustration here, you'd have to understand in the day of the temple, there was a, a gathering place for the offerings. It usually was in a centrally located spot in one of the larger rooms of the temple. The temple of the day would have been huge and had the entrance coming in and somewhere close to the entrance where everybody passed by, they had a big vase that came down to a small neck to keep the thieves' hands out of it. And then it opened up like a funnel where people came by and they could put their coins in. And Now, you understand, they didn't have credit cards back then, right? They didn't have scanners on their smartphones and they didn't have the credit card machines in the foyer. They didn't have checks this group right here says they didn't have what? It's little pieces of paper, and we'll get into that later. But uh, all they had was coins. Money was just coins. And so what they would do, they they would go get their mites. They would gather up all their mites, kind of like you gathering up all your pennies. The mites in that day would have been worth about an eighth of a penny. They might have even gathered up some farthings, which would have been the second smallest coin. A farthing was two mites. It was worth about a fourth of a penny. And they would go gather up all of the smallest coins that they had so that they could come into the temple into that central location so it would echo. Popcorn, you would. I come up with popcorn out of that. Everybody here going, anybody smell butter? <laughs> popcorn. They, they would do that so that it would echo in the halls in the building and everybody listening would be thinking, man, somebody put in a lot of money. Jesus says, I'm glad you got that because that's what you were looking for. You got the praises of men. You you did that because you wanted them to hear you. You did that because you wanted the applause of men. Therefore, you have all that you're going to get. You have your reward. So the Bible tells us how not to give alms, but then it tells us how not to pray the same. When we get to verse number 5, When thou prayest thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray stand in the synagogues, the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. So before teaching us how to pray, he gives us two examples of how not to pray. One of them is the hypocrite, and the other one is the heathen. The prayer of the hypocrite, Jesus points out, is wrong because it focuses on the person's position. He says of the hypocrites that they love to be seen and heard of men. That's why they love to pray standing in the synagogue. That's why they love to pray standing on the street corners where everybody can come by and make over how holy they are. For them, it's not really about the passion of the prayer. It's more about the prominence of the prayer. They want to be heard, and they want to be seen. Here they used to play, Matt Bishop. Yeah, I put him on the spot. He's back here working with young'uns. Matt, oh, he's over there. I'll take them off. I can only see right here with these on. Matt plays Jesus in the play, and, and I get the luxury of being a Pharisee. And Matt, during the play, comes, and he talks to us Pharisees, And he quotes this passage from Jesus. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are likened to whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now, I got to tell you, I love you, brother, but I'm not crazy about that part of the play since I get to be the one addressed. But I can get that because we have to portray that as a part of the life of Jesus Christ. But I don't ever want to hear Jesus tell me that. I don't ever want my Lord to have to look on me and scold me for praying like a hypocrite. Lord, help us. Jesus says, when you want to talk with the Father, make it about the Father and you. Not, not about a show, not about people pleasing, not about something for somebody to come by and pat you. Jesus says, for those who do it to be seen of men, they have their reward. If you look down at verse number 16, we'll skip past the prayer for a minute and look down. It, it goes on, it says, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, and they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Jesus says again, don't be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites, when they fast, when you fast, you're doing something. You are depriving your body of something that your body craves like sugar. Chocolates, popcorn. You're depriving your body of something that it wants. Something that's like, and the reason you're doing that is to sacrifice something to spend that time in prayer. You're doing something that is designed by God to be something between you and God. But he says, oh, they disfigure their faces and they walk around and they look bad because all they want is for somebody to ask them, man, what's the matter with you? You okay? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm just fasting. I've been fasting for a few days. Now I'm a headache. Oh, I've, I've got, I got this headache. And, you know, I'm about to starve to death. But, you know, hey, nothing is too big of a sacrifice for my God. People walk away thinking, man, what a holy person. I couldn't ever do that. I can't get past 24 hours. How do you fast for seven days? Jesus says, I hope that's all you wanted. Because that's all you're going to get. That, that There's nothing else left. He says, no, when you fast, get up in the morning, take a shower, put your clothes on look right, act right, do right, go about your day, putting on no front, and that's something taking place between you and the Father, and the Father sees it. And now you've made it all about Him and nothing about them, and the Father will reward that because now it's between you and God. He says, clean yourself up. He, um, One of the preachers, I think it was the, the tape that um, well, I don't remember, brother, you've given me so many tapes, it might have been one of them tapes, and it might have been one of these YouTubes. But I do know the preacher talked about another preacher, heard it from another preacher, so it's not original. But he said what people do, he said they do like the old hen. How many of you raise chickens? This is a very different world from the one. How many eat eggs? Now, raise your hand again. How many of you raise chickens? I'm out of eggs. <laughs> the 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 chickens. I just thought I'd throw that in. The the chickens will slip off. Those that's got chickens, they get off into the hen house, and and they don't want anybody to see them. So they get off in the hen house like they're gonna do it on secret. But then they get into. They go in the hen house like they don't want you to see, but then they sit there and cackle the whole time, make sure everybody knows what they're in there doing. (laughs) That's to be seen of men. Jesus says, do the things you do for the glory of God in secret. Keep them between you and God. And even if you don't see a reward here, you ain't going to believe what you're going to get when you get there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not only is hypocritical praying wrong because it focuses on position, but it focuses on the recognition of others. Just there in the text. Verse number 1, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Verse 5 says that they may be seen of men. Verse 16, that they may appear unto men. Jesus says what things appear on the outside, that ain't always what's going on on the inside. Verse number 18, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, he says, we're not to pray. We're not to do things to be recognized of others. If you do, you already have your reward. That word have right there, when Jesus says they already have their reward, that word have comes from the Greek word apeko. It means paid in full. It means you're not going to get anything else. That little pat on the back you got, you starved for seven days. To get somebody to pat you on the back. Mm. Before I move on, right there it talks about entering into the closet. Before I move on to, to that, uh, I don't want to destroy your movie War Room. and I don't want to destroy her prayer closet, but, but I do want you to understand that's not a literal closet. You've you got to look at the day when Jesus is teaching something and who he's teaching it to. In that day, there might have been a literal prayer closet in a house. Because you've got to understand, most of those houses are just four stick walls with a grass roof. Most people didn't have a separate room. So to get alone and pray, they had to go up on the roof. You, you, you know the story about the praying and, and the getting on the roof, somewhere to get alone. So some houses did have a little closet in there that they could get away from people. But you've got to understand, they didn't have the luxury of the multi-room houses that we have today. So this prayer closet was just something designed so that they could get into an alone place to pray. He's not telling you to go into your clothes closet, and that's where you got to go to get in a alone place to be alone with God. As a matter of fact, most of you women and a lot of you men will spend all your time in there deciding what you're going to wear tomorrow. And going through that vast array of clothes, picking out four or five outfits, it's a waste of time because tomorrow you're in a different mood anyway. And you're going to try on all those outfits, and you're already in a bad mood for the rest of the day because you now have a clothing crisis because nothing fits and none of it matches. And now you had to find something you were supposed to be in there to pray in the first place. No way God would tell us to go in there and get in something like that. He's not talking about you got to go into your clothes closet. He's talking about be alone with the Father. Just don't be seen of men. Hey, listen, corporate prayer is a good thing when we come together for the purpose of corporate prayer. We come together for the purpose of corporate worship. But if this is all the praying you got, you're in bad shape. You have gotta have some alone time. You, you know, you have, you you really need some unobstructed alone time. Like just find a place just you and God. The woods is a really good place. Hunting season's already here if you bow hunt. Something else is coming up if you don't. You, you you don't have to hunt. You can take a camera. You can take nothing. You go sitting alone in the woods. Find somewhere in a long place. Now, you can be alone with God when you're driving too, but that's not all that distracted. Don't close your eyes. <laughs> they'll pass a law against that soon enough. You already can't use your phone. Now they're going to tell you you can't pray. But they'll they'll delay that as long as we keep our eyes open while we pray. You, you can pray while you're walking. You can pray while you're riding. I can prove that because God and sent Philip down the road toward Gaza down to the south because there was a eunuch riding in his chair. What was he doing? He was riding along. He, he was praying. He, was, he wanted to know something about God. The, the two men walking when Jesus came up, they were walking talking about Jesus. You can pray while you're walking. I would say you could pray while you're running, but the only reason I'm running is because that's a really big dog and I don't want to get bit, and I ain't got time. I'm praying right there. Really, God, help me out run that dog or whoever's with me, whichever's first. Just let the dog catch them first. Right, you ain't got to run a dog, just outrun everybody else. It's, it's all about getting on a long time with God. Finding some time, just you and him, to get together and talk to him. Now, the, the reference would have made sense to them in that day. Because some of the houses did have their little prayer closet. But the third thing that we see wrong here with hypocritical praying is that it focuses on self instead of on the Savior. We'll look at it more as we look at how to pray and look at breaking the prayer down, it, how it comes together. But what we find in this model prayer is there's no selfishness in this prayer at all. you got to get halfway through the prayer before you even find a personal need mentioned. But then when you get in it, what Jesus is showing us here, if you're not careful, your, your self-centeredness, your self-consumption, this all about me and my and i am what i need if you're not careful you walk into the throne room with that and this is all about me mine mine you're now in the presence of God and you're in there all about you so so he, he's talking about when he takes his prayer and he puts it together you go halfway through it before you even get to a personal need but when you get there if you'll notice this prayers we studied, there's no personal pronouns in here it's not my father it's our Father. It doesn't say, Give me my daily bread. It says, Give us our daily bread. Not forgive me my debts, but forgive us our debts. Not lead me, but Lord, lead us. Twelve times in this passage of Scripture, we're told that everything that we do is before the Father. Do thy alms in secret. Anything that we do in gifts, we, we pray, we, we pray in secret. When we fast, we fast in secret. Everything is about the Father and the relationship with the Father. Anything else is men-pleasing. If the prayer is about self or if the prayer is self-centered, then the Bible says they have their reward. Because they, they won't be getting anything from the Father If the prayer wasn't about the Father to start with, amen? Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives the parable. Y'all know the story in verse number 10 about the two men that went to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Do you see all the eye problems in that? Do you you see all the eye situations? Do you see all the self-promotion in that? There's nothing about God in that. Listen, if you're doing things to the glory of God, you don't have to tell God about it. He already knows. He's the one that gave you the ability and the strength to do it in the first place. And he already sees what's going on. But verse number 13, it says, That the publican standing afar offered not so much as lifted his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You don't know why the publican was exalted? Or... Why why, why the Pharisee wasn't, it's right there in the text. It says in verse number 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. The focus was on himself and not about the Father. So before Jesus teaches us how to pray, teaches a lot of ways not to pray, don't pray like the hypocrite. And then he says, don't pray like the heathen, and I'm done. If y'all give me just a minute, I'm done, I promise. He says they use vain repetitions for they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Christians, if we're not careful, we get caught up in the much speaking. Jesus said you have not because you ask not. That means you ask on different days, but doesn't mean you just keep on saying the same thing. You remember the story of the man that was in the house and somebody came, friends and company come and needed food. And he said, no, go away. Me and my children are already in the bed. Come back. But he kept knocking because of importunity. Eventually got up. It's okay to keep asking. But Jesus tells us, don't use vain repetitions. A lot of people, they say the same thing over and over. They say the same thing a different way. But they just keep on saying it to make the prayers last longer. Because those around them think, oh, they prayed for so long. Oh, they're just holy. Unless they're praying out loud. And it's already 12 o'clock like right now. And they're thinking, I wish he'd just shut up so we could go home. Jesus isn't telling us not to keep on praying for things. I thank God for a mom that kept on praying for her son to be saved. I thank God for a mom that wouldn't quit, that just kept on praying, that just kept on calling out. I thank God for those that just keep on praying for cancer, keep on praying for sickness until God reached down and healed. We're supposed to keep praying for things because delay is not a denial when it comes to God. It's not a no until God says no. So if God hadn't said no, you keep calling out their name every day. There's a young man representing this church that I know personally, several of us for over probably four and a half plus years called his name out every single week down here at this rock altar. What, 52 weeks a year? A minimum of 208 times, probably a 1,000 times amongst us. Every single week without fail, 52 weeks a year for over four years, we've called out that individual's name. And a few weeks ago, sitting in this church, that young man gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and he's saved today. Jesus, that's not vain repetition. You keep on calling out. You keep on going before the Lord, but you don't just say the same things over and over and over and over and over so that somebody thinks, boy, he prays for a long time. He must be holy. They have their rewards. Never stop praying for your loved ones. Y'all 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 stand on your feet this morning. We'll we'll close right here. I'll just I'll pick up there next time Lord has us on this subject of prayer. I uh, I know. I know what I know what time it is. But here's where we're headed to. Here's where we're headed to. After this manner, therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Wouldn't that be awesome? As it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That is an example. That is an example of how to pray. That's not the prayer. That's the guideline. That's the importance of your prayer. I want to ask real quick, and, and I know, but everybody's already beat us the Longhorn. And if we left now, we're not going to beat them unless my watch is wrong. Is it really 5 out of 12? Okay, well, I'm, I'm, back. I'm back to me again. Anna. Um, can, can we take a few minutes and, and come pray along those lines? Let's don't pray like the heathen. Let's don't pray like the hypocrite. We've got to run through tonight for Judgment Journey. And we won't gather again in this capacity before the first night of Judgment Journey. God's going to do something great. We've got 1,800 pre-sold tickets sold out for Saturday night, plus walk-ups available. And God's going to use this group of people to deliver the gospel down there in those woods. Pray for this conversion tent over here, the ones who will actually be delivering the gospel there at the end of it. Can we all come together and pray? before we leave and just ask God to, to bless what we're about to do and we'll just dismiss from up here. If you guys will come on, we we'll come on take just a couple